Welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince. And I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. Stevie D, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, bud? Well, we, we, like you always say, each week. Another yes. Week closer. Getting a week closer. That is for sure. Uh, you know, when they talk about the dog days, dog days of baseball, this is the dog days of football. I'm, I'm so ready. I, I think as being a Bills fan, we're ready because we know we're on the precipice of, of reaching that mountaintop, getting back to that AFC championship and winning the most important game, not the exhibition game, winning the most important game. But, uh, you know, the, I, hey, I, come on now. There's big news coming out of Buffalo. Yeah. Another time, another place. <laughs> I know, but no, I'm talking about the stadium. Oh, well, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys thought, ah, you thought I was going to go in a different direction. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I threw, I threw that, that change-up right there. But, no, I, I heard you guys are looking at a, a stadium in, in Orchard Park and just a, right down the street or something. They are, and it, it'll be interesting because uh, they they needed to build a new stadium there, right? Um, I, I have the little coin from the first game that – that was played at you know Rich Stadium. Right. I, mean, I I have that little coin. Um, I don't remember going to the game. I'll be honest with you, but you know you think about how old that is. I mean, how old am I? Right. So I, I didn't want to say nothing there. You uh, you, you kind of threw me I, a layup, but I don't want to. I don't want to you, you know, know slam it down. A little self deprecation. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that tells you how old that stadium is. And uh, as a Bills fan, we've been clamoring for a new stadium. At one point, we were going through, we need a dome, right? Let's just get a dome. That's when everybody was talking dome. And then all of a sudden, people started to put the reins on that, and they're like, hold on a minute. We're giving up our home field advantage. And now the, the, the other concern by a lot of fans is that just like uh, in Buffalo, just like you may see in Kansas City uh, and maybe a couple other stadiums that are out there, the tailgating in the pregame is just absolutely berserk, right? And yeah, you guys go a little bit beyond the norm with the breaking through tables and stuff. Uh, I don't get that one. You know, time, it, it's custom, right? It must be an, it must be an upstate New York thing. Or it, it, it's, I don't know. it's in the beer, right? That's all, all you can say. You know, people like to say it's in the water. It's in the beer, right? But, um, you know, if you try to move it downtown, which was – you know, the, the Vogue thing for so many teams to have that downtown sports complex and the move those stadiums down there, then all of a sudden you're going to lose that, right? And, you know, you, so keeping it in Orchard Park is a great thing. The problem that <laughs> if they try to renovate and, and build on top of the existing, well, that means that you're going to have to go and play home games for a season elsewhere. Yeah, up in Toronto. Yeah, you know my feelings on that. So let's just move on. All right, what's our topic tonight? What do we got? Well, and then the other thing, Stevie D, you know, we've been doing top 10 lists now for what we did the quarterbacks, quarterbacks, running backs. We did the running backs, and last week we did the ride receivers. And we are garnering a lot of attention, Stevie D. And I have to admit that, you know, it was kind of surprising. We have kind of like our loyal following, you know, the, the subscribers, the the people that, you know, give us the like, the follow. Uh, we have the folks that will tap you on the side. You know, we've had some tweets. It's been great. But when you could see other groups, whether it be on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, and you can see those other groups take your content and then repurpose your content, what do they say? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you know, you know, a little virtual pound to you, Stevie D. You know, that, that, that means we're doing something right, right? No and doubt. that means that that our audience out there really appreciates what we're doing. We're bringing good content. And, and you know, what folks don't really understand is that between you and I, this was just a regular Wednesday night between you and I uh, when we live five miles or, or less than five miles away, right? Two miles away from each other, whether it be on the telephone or whether it be you at my house, me at your house, whatever, right? We always at work, 
I hope people are listening to that. I don't know if you were doing the work, but I was working. <laughs> but it, it was a way for, you know, us to just have these conversations and we would debate. And, you know, sometimes people would join into those debates. Um, and as, you know, time would go on, those people would kind of go to, go to the wayside. But there you and I were, you know, kind of just who's this, who's that, where do they rank, you know, and then we go deeper into the numbers. So again, you know, as well, you find out who's really full of bull and who's not. Well, this is true too. When you get into depth and you start talking about your team and in the history of the game, and then those people just kind of roll out because they really can't hold the conversation. So absolutely. I always love those. Wow. My team is it. Okay. You can't even name three players on your team. You don't know when the last time you made the playoffs. You talking about Patriot fan? <laughs> Red Sox fan, <laughs> they they know they're Bruins. I'll give them that. <laughs> but but it, it, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I'm glad that folks out there really appreciate the content. They really appreciate what we're talking about. Um, and th- this is to get us through these dog days, right? Because once training camp hits, um, that then and the pads are on and we start hitting for real. That that's when it's go time. So uh, to everybody out there, you know, if, if you're using the content. Give us a shout out. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. You know, maybe we could join forces, uh, you know, and have you on as as a guest on the show. We'd love to do it because we just love talking sports. Right. So uh, those folks don't need to hide in anonymity. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. And it's DVD. As we say, let's go and let's rock and roll. I do want to say one more thing. I just found out. And if you don't mind, uh, I would like to dedicate. Uh, this show to a friend of both you and mine, where I found out that there was a tragedy there in the family. And so my heart goes out to the Perez family and just let them know that, you know, always thinking about your brother. Uh, You've been good all the way through, whether it be work or personal. Uh, And I was very sorry to hear. um, And Stevie D, I think you knew a little bit before I did. Uh, But, you know, we're thinking about you. And if you ever need anything, you can reach out to either Stevie D, reach out to myself. We're always there. Uh, we yeah. will always be there for you. So Robert's uh, a good man. And yeah. um, really sorry to hear about his wife. Yep. Absolutely. Yep, yep. Good man. Robert's really good man. Really good so, man. This, this show here is dedicated to uh, Robert and the president. Now, Stevie D, as we segue away from there, it's time to talk about the tight ends. Mickey Schuler it, it is number 942. On the list of 941. So wait a minute, I don't understand. Did, did Kyle Brady not make the list? He was drafted ahead of Warren Sapp in the 94 95 draft. He didn't make uh, Jay Ramirezma actually was the cut line, so I, I was happy to see Big Jay on there. I don't understand how Kyle Brady didn't make the list. He was drafted ahead of Warren Sapp. The Jets drafted Kyle Brady ahead of Warren Sapp. I don't know how he didn't make the list. You know, oh, that- oh this is not the big doof top 10. Tight ends that if you blow on them, they fold over and get tackled. Oh, that's not that top ten. Back then, it was a battle. You guys were in a battle. I don't think you realized it was a battle between the Jets and Detroit. Who could actually make the worst draft pick at a skill position time after time after time? I mean, I I just always imagined that you guys would draft tight ends. How you didn't draft Kyle Pitts, I have no idea. (laughs) Because that falls in the mo of the, <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's funny. We were beating the Lions so bad, and then Matt Millen became the GM, and then Matt Millen just blew right past us to steal our number one Thunder. That that he that he did. Yeah. yeah. So. so okay, yeah. Stevie D. Okay, as we as we dive into these tight ends, we're gonna start with. Uh, a gentleman out of this is before they were cheating, right? This is this, yeah. Well, and I'm going to let you kick it off since you know you you pay. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't stop. I love it. I love it. So it's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> Should we roll the tape just to make sure? I you know not. I, I don't want to put you in a situation where you're... I can't help it. I'm objective. Okay. Oh, I'm objective. Okay. Is that what we're calling? I, I'm, yes. I'm objective. I can't help it. You're not objective. 
You just got, you know, your your focus on your Buffalo Bills. I can talk football amongst all players and teams, and 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 you know, be impartial. I, I can't help it. In the objective statement that you've just made. <laughs> all right, with the coming in number ten for the sake of the show, uh, coming in at number ten. Who personally, you know, first of all, let's say there, there was a lot of very good tight ends. Very good tight ends. I mean, tight ends is one of those positions on the field that doesn't get a lot of love, sex appeal in, on the football field compared to, you know, gets a lot of attention from running backs to quarterbacks to wide receivers. Tight ends, it's almost like an, a thankless position because you do a lot of time blocking, right? And so uh, you, you've had a lot of lot of good players come through to play tight end. For for us in our list, when we, when we think of top 10, there's a lot of really good tight ends that we're going to talk about. But really, in this modern generation of tight end, we really felt that this tight end helped revolutionize and really pave the way for the newer generation tight ends. And that's the, the uh, this guy out of New England, Ben Coates. Um, you know, without Ben Coates, is there Eric Green, right? Is there Jimmy Graham, right? Is all those those tight ends that came in? And, and Ben Coates was like, he was big, he can move. He, is he a wide receiver? Is he a tight end? It, it was he was just unstoppable there for 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 there for those years in New England, and so we have him coming in at, at number ten. Uh, so a lot of people may be shocked by that number ten, but when you think of when you think about how well, when we did the quarterbacks, right? We talked we talked about Michael Vick and his what he meant to the league and and what he meant at the quarterback, right? It was something we'd never really seen before, and and Ben Coates kind of helped. Really, that next generation tight end—that's that's why we have met him. You know, uh, just a few a few statements on Coates. I, one of the things that you, as a Jets fan, me as a Bills fan, uh, by far back in Ben Coates' era, he he was kind of that different type of player, right? The guy that we really hadn't seen on the field before, and he he was just a valuable weapon for Bledsoe. Uh, and you knew that when he was on the field, he could hurt you because the way that the defenses were created at that time, he was a a, a, a mismatch, right? Yeah, yeah. All over, and you knew that he was going to contribute, especially in the red zone, uh, but also in those, uh, you know, third and five, third and seven type situations. It, it made it very difficult uh, for a player like that um, for, for you to – to, to be able to defend a player like that. He ended up going to five Pro Bowls, which, again, when we talk about the tight end position, especially his era and going back, right, the tight ends of that era really were designed. They were really big offensive tackle type guys that could actually catch the ball coming out of a jugs gun, right? And then here comes this guy, Ben Coates, a little bit more versatile, still big, right? And, and so then they they would always leverage the blocking scheme and then pass, right? Blocking first, pass second. Yeah. Uh, with Ben coming out, then all of a sudden it put a, a higher emphasis on his ability to catch the ball. And I think everything that you said, you know, the five-time Pro Bowler, uh, I think he and, made – And two-time two time all, all, all first team, which and is not easy to do as well. There you go. Oh. So I think he – I think it's fair to put him on the list. Um you know, at the end of the day, something that you said earlier, some of these players are a victim of the error. We talked about that for um, we talked about that for uh, the quarterbacks. Uh, we talked about that for the running backs, right? And we talked about the wide receivers. And once again, here we go. We're talking about it for the tight ends. A little unfortunate for Ben Coates, but I think for him to make that list in in our top ten, I think that's fair. At number nine, we had oh, there it is, there it is, the the weekly contribution, and she gets number nine. It pops it right in. You I know, swear, she doesn't have access to this list. It, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Stevie D. <laughs> You're messing with me or something. I, I I've been thinking about this. That I haven't been too happy with your performance. And, you, you know, you just have all this New York Jets gear that is just up on the screen. I would not be opposed 
to maybe a one or two week hiatus on your end, we could still leave the name up there, right? And we could just substitute Mrs. D and have her sit right there. What? And I, well, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. See, I, I, and, and, you know, I'm here for you, right? Under, oh, it doesn't sound like it. Understand, I'm here for you. You look, you look a little tired. LeBron needs a rest day, right? You look. I'm a little fatigued. I'll give you that. I didn't shave. Right. Uh, all I'm a the guys. Fatigued, yeah. Day, all the guys in in the NFL day, guys don't practice during weeks, you know, because they need to have that rest day. Maybe you need a rest day, and Mrs. D could slip right in there. I mean, she's right on it because coming in at number nine is Mike Dicka. This is incredible. Well. Just, I'm just saying it, it. You know, nice call, Mrs. D. Nice, nice call. I don't know what kind so, of yeah, going yeah, on around Mike Ditka <laughs> is a very interesting player because, especially for our generation, only thing that we know about Mike Ditka uh, is the fact that, oh, it, I'm loving it. Uh, uh, well, Stevie D, I, I think we, we, we've confirmed it. But no, in, in all seriousness, um, if you look at our generation, and, and maybe even a generation before us, all they really knew of Ditka was the fact that he was the coach of the Chicago Bears, right? Or that they knew that he was, you know, part of the Sunday crew, right? What you saw of Ditka was nothing but highlights, right? But when you go deeper into Mike Ditka as the player, I mean, you're talking about a beast, yeah. an yeah. absolute beast. And, and we're talking about a time where, you know, passing the football uh, was not really uh, the predominant style of play. Now, what I will say, because of that, the if they were going to throw the ball, the, there was the likelihood that it was going to go to the tight end uh, or in a more confined area than typically going to the outside like we see today. Right. Uh, but when you look at Dick's numbers, his numbers are standing the test of time compared to players that are coming today and with the game changing. So, you know, I, you know, there's a lot to say about it. We're talking about a Hall of Famer. We're talking about a revolutionary. Uh, and we're talking about one of the meanest SOBs that played the game. Well, his yards per catch in the history of the NFL for tight ends is very high for tight ends. You know, when you're ranking the tight end position at yards per catch, he's up there probably in the top five at yards per catch, uh, you know, after you have X amount of receptions for your career. But I, I really thought going to Dallas kind of woke him up a little bit. I know it was a little bit later in his career, but, you know, he had some really good years for for Tom Landry and the Dallas Cowboys um, there too to, you know, finish up his career, although he was devastated when he got, when he was, you know, let go by the Bears. But anyway, and, you know, you, you talk about that yards per catch. I think we we were going over that. 13-6. Yeah. Um, again, looking at the players that are out there today, they're all like right around 11. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here, here's a guy, 13 points. Just imagine what that is. Right? Yeah, because, I mean, he would probably just knock you out and say, you're not tackling me. Bam. That, give that's, me that's you know, part of it. <laughs> give an elbow, right? I got to get that yards per catch, you know. That's so. the best part about it. Yeah. So coming in at number nine, we have Mike Ditka. Number eight. You're, you know what? I just realized what you did. <laughs> Holy cow. That's so wrong. You shut me up again, you son I'm, of a I'm gun. I'm going to take number eight. I'm going to take number eight. All right. I'm just going to say you. I feel like I've been getting set up here. Because number eight is a gentleman who played at the rival high school of mine. Oh, uh, not not a big fan of that school. Uh, we have a listener, a good friend of mine, who also went to that school. Talk about Waynesville North. Uh, for those of those who are listening in the Buffalo or the 716 area. Um Talk about Rob Gronkowski. Now, I forever thought that Gronkowski should have come back to Buffalo. Should have. And somehow he fell in love with your guy, TB12. And, and you know, <laughs> and, and they, you know, they have this union that, that 
you know, no matter where he goes, right? TB12 goes to Tampa. Well, here goes Gronk down to Tampa. In in all fairness, Gronk comes in at number eight and, and can't put him any higher because he doesn't have the resume as far as the number of games, right? Uh, when you look at his total number of games, it pales in comparison. And really, that's because he puts his body on the line, no doubt, uh, each and every time that he is on the field. The unfortunate thing, whether it be the elbow, whether it be the back, whether it be the knee, whatever he's going through, it, it hurts him in the grand scheme of being able to rank up with you know, some of his other peers at that position. But there are some things that you just can't overlook. <laughs> you just can't overlook. Again, you like to talk about that yards per catch. Yeah. He's over 15 yards per catch, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, most of those came against my Bills. Hey, let, let's be honest. Against the Jets. Okay, so so we share yeah, yeah. In, in helping Hall of Fame career. You realize right, exactly. this? I mean, come on, the guy would be nothing in the NFL with him for the Jets and the Bills. <laughs> There's no way to stop him. Uh, at least we didn't find a way to stop yeah. him, right? Um, and, and when you look at his yards, right? Again, I I would love to put him higher, right? I think he deserves to go higher. However, there's that one nagging thing, and that's the fact that you know he's averaged about ten games a season, or a little less than ten games a season. That's not good, Stevie D. I no, mean, it's not good. But what what hurts us in this whole thing, you know, he's a four time first team, right? That that hurts when you're four time first all team. But you know, the durability issues is a problem. Like if he would have went out at 115 games, literally, uh, he played consistent every year and then went out. Then I could say, okay, a little bit like the Gale Sayers thing, but he, at least he got to 115 games. But when every year you're missing three to four games every year, it, it's your injury prone. And, it, and it's hard to, to make that case to, to be in the elite of the elites. It, it really does. Yeah. I mean, Zach Ertz, I mean, he, he was right. What was he behind Schuler? No, no. I think we had Zach Ertz behind no. Mickey Schuler. Zach Ertz is on the precipice of becoming one of the greatest tight ends ever. You know, he did his minor league play with the Eagles. But if my Buffalo Bills are able to finagle the trade to bring him to Buffalo, you are right, Jay. Zach Ertz will jump to number one. I, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, a little, little fortune telling. And, and I see Jay is really becoming a, a Bills fan. So that, that's good to see, Jay. So let's, Stevie D, let's go to number seven. And the reason why I wanted to take <laughs> You know, <laughs> the reason why I wanted to, to take Gronk was so that you could take this gentleman because I like this guy. I, 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 I like this guy absolutely on the list. You just you, you had something caught up with you. Yeah, he's got to be the sickest man in America. Ooh. The famous quote from this from your exhibition game. Thank He's got to be the sick. Well, for you, I'm a team player. Thank you. You know, it was it was the the line of all lines in the Super Bowl play. Oh, he's got to be the sickest man in America, and that is Jackie Smith. How do you drop that ball? How can I put you in the let you drop the ball? It, it, it's a big. You drop it's the a ball. A big football fans have seen that one. It, it's a bad drop. I I don't know what's worse, the missed field goal by Norwood. Or the drop in the end zone. And I'm going to say the drop in the end zone. Just to yeah, save Norwood. Norwood was tougher. It was, what, 49 yards on grass outdoors? You know, at that time, uh, or 47 yards outdoor on the grass, it was much harder back in 1990 than it is today, you know, with players. You know, stronger people can kick further today than, than it was, you know, 30 years ago. Jackie Smith, you're in the end zone. You're on your butt. Catch the ball with your hands, Jackie. Hands, not the body. Hands. It's a famous right? play. Right? Is that the, is that how you're supposed to catch the football? Whoa, 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 whoa. Right? Family show. Family show. Get it out of the gutter. But you know, you know. Family show, man. Unbelievable. My mother's listening <laughs> to the show. Jesus, come on. What are you doing? Come what on. What are you doing? Unbelievable. <laughs> so, it, it's just, I have a problem with Jackie Smith. Now. When you when you get past that with Jackie Smith, and you look at his his the catches and his yards per catch, 
is ridiculous. I think he's number one in, in NFL history in his tight end, 16 and a half. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, that's, you know, at that era, that, I mean, wide receivers weren't putting up 16.5 and he was doing that as a tight end when you weren't expecting that. So I understand Jackie at seven. I had trouble getting past the drop in the end zone. I know I'm immature that way. You know, one play shouldn't define a player. He made them, he, he, he missed the catch. If that was week six, nobody's talking about it, but it's in the Super Bowl. It, it, it's the biggest thing because it, it cost the Cowboys the Super Bowl. Nope. Um, there, there, keep it clean. That's you. Keep it clean. You notice I'm keeping it clean. I just told you it's a family show. I was like, hey. That guy over there, I don't know. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You caught him, which angle would turn. But. Yeah. I, it, there's not a lot to say to Jackie Smith as far as, you know, if, it, it's so sad that the first thing you think about with Jackie Smith is the catch, right? No, no, no. If he had the catch, we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> You're clear right. on that. Or, or the lack of catch. I mean, yeah. that that's the sad thing because his career, phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, there's not really much more you can say. You got a guy that uh, was just a little under 8,000 yards. You know, uh, he's a Hall of Famer with four Pro Bowls or you know, five Pro Bowls, this guy did everything that you would want and probably would have potentially been ranked even higher than where we had him uh, if it wasn't for kind of like the negative uh, connotation that goes with that name in that position. So Jackie Smith there. We do follow it up with back-to-back Dallas Cowboys, right? And, and, you know, Jay, if you're out there listening, this is for you, buddy. Uh, We wanted to (laughs) make sure that – that, that you and, and your Eagle Nation or whatever you guys call yourself saw that we went back-to-back Cowboys. Jason Witten. Now, here, here's the interesting thing about Jason Witten. If you look at the numbers, they're gaudy. Flat-out gaudy, Stevie D. Yeah. Uh, when I think about Jason Witten, though, um, and maybe it's because he's quiet, right? You know, he didn't hear a lot, except for when he was in the booth at ESPN and then – that was a train wreck. But as an actual player, um, you know, just very workmanlike, right? Went went to the game, did what he was supposed to do, and he was done. But he he didn't resonate as far as being one of the greats. You know, you knew he had longevity. You knew he did great things with multiple quarterbacks. You know, he was very consistent. And then you realize how many games he played. You realize how many catches he had. You, you go all the way down the line. The one thing that hurt Jason Witten, I think when we were talking, was the fact that, yeah, he did all of these things, but his yards per catch was very low, right? Was very low. And I don't know if that's a, a true indictment on him or on the way that the Cowboys would call plays or call plays for the tight end because they've always been heavy using the outside receivers. Yeah, you know, but there's also a sense of breaking tackles and doing the things that you need to do to to, to be better down the field. I, I think he lacked that explosive speed that we've seen from other tight ends in the game that were quicker. Uh, it's also disappointing in a way with the, the 1,542 catches he had in his career. No, it was, it was a little over 1,200 catches in his career. He only had 74 touchdowns. I mean, that's a lot of catches and little tight, little touchdowns. Uh, I would think when you think of tight ends, uh, you know, some of these guys on this list with the amount of catches they had to the tight end ratio, it's, it's a, much better than Jason Witten's. And getting the ball well, in the end zone is a big deal. Point, to your point, Gronk has over 80 touchdowns, right? In half the games, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and in all fairness, they played in the same era. Right, they're they're playing together side by side, so you can't say that one played when you know the, there was more pressure to throw to this or to that. So, yeah. to to your point, you know the low touchdown rate, uh, the low yards per reception, but it's still when you look at everything, you know we we want to bash Grunk for uh, durability on the other side. You look at this and you look at this guy that's played in over two hundred fifty games. That 
that that that's that that's an achievement in all of itself. Plus, at that position, right? Because we started yeah. off talking about revolutionizing the position where they're asking you to block, right? They're asking you to block a two hundred and eighty pound, three hundred pound man on the other side of the line who's ready to, you know, just foaming at the mouth to tear your head off, and we're going to run right off your hip. So that means that you you got to put that shoulder, put that helmet right in the chest and drive this guy, and you got to do that time after time. Then. We want you to run down the field and and go fifteen yards or twenty yards. Well, Witten was a great, great hands, right? But he was great hands of catching and getting tackled. You know, third down, short type things. Get the ball, to Jason. Witten, you know he's going to catch the football, right? Move the chains. Uh, live to see another at least three plays. So, again, not bad on the list at number six. I mean, when you think about it, all the people that played, we're putting him at number six. So, yeah, I think it's fair. Jason, you got a problem? Give me a shout. We'll, we'll, we'll talk it out. Coming in at number five. Now, let me be fair. At, at number five, sometimes the stats can be deceiving, right? And, and I'm not saying that to justify this person, but as soon as you hear the name, you know we're talking about one of the greats, one of the top five of all time to play the position. And I'm talking about Kellen Winslow. Senior. Senior. <laughs> I thought you were going to forget that. We're not talking about Junior. When he, when he played for the Jets, he little went a little bit off the rails there. Um, yeah. And I think he's doing a, a 40-year stretch in the in jail, the Junior. Right? We're so. talking about Senior. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so what I remember of Kellen Winslow, everybody remembers the, the iconic video coming off the field, right? Just completely exhausted in, in that game, right? And, you know, of course, that was on NBC. Little, little side note, coming soon, just a little hint, that game was on NBC. That's all I'm going to leave you with, right? Uh, but everybody remembers that, right? Uh, but when you look at his numbers, his numbers are not eye-popping in, in some of the categories that you would expect, right? Um, you're looking at a guy who played a little over 100 games, right? That, you're like, really? How, how is that possible, right? You're looking at a guy whose receptions were, based on the number of games, were, were great, right? But they still weren't... Uh, to the level that you would expect or that you would think automatically. When you look at his total yards, again, they were great yards, right, but not what you would expect. Overall, uh, his numbers are, dare I say, kind of mediocre, right? Mediocre of the top echelon class, right? let me be fair, because definitely his numbers are far superior to Mickey Schuler. <laughs> we know that, right? <laughs> Come on. I love you, Mickey. <laughs> so underappreciated, Mickey Shuler. I think he's just jealous because he lit you guys up week after week. It was just flowing so, so good. But it, no, in, in all seriousness, of the top echelon, it may not be exactly there. But when you look at, when you think of, and when you do the smell test, right? We talk about that smell test. This guy has got to be in your top five. BBD? Yeah. I, no, I thought you said it pretty pretty good there. Um, he's just one of those trends, you know, that tight end that came in at that point in time that helped again with the game of football. Uh, very iconic in that in that fashion, what he meant to the game of football in that position. Uh, again, not the Gordy stats are because he didn't have the games played, uh, but he was one of those um, uh, players that helped trend transition that position from. Uh, from just a blocking position to more of a, a reception, you know, I'm in the game, get me the ball downfield, let me make a play and uh, go. So that's yep. what I'll say about him. So first three team, first team, all three time, first time, uh, first team, all, uh, all pro. So remember so, that in his short career, he was considered the best three times, number one in the league. Cause I don't necessarily big time on the pro bowler numbers. When you, when you make first team all pro, that's that's something that's something to note in your career and that's true very true 
So, Stevie D, now it's time to to get into our top four, right? Uh, our top four, I think, is fair. And I keep looking at the order between one and two, and I really keep wanting to do a swap. I'm going to be honest with you. I really do. I and not because I have a hang up, but I, I really do. It, but I don't. I don't think you can. Um... So let's, let's start with four yeah. and show some love to Skip Bayless's partner in crime, Mr. Shannon Sharp. Go ahead, Stevie D. Um, Shannon Sharp, I don't like you. Uh-oh. I love your brother. Uh-oh. Sterling Sharp is my favorite Sharp. But I got to give it to you. <laughs> you, you. Hey, Shannon, if you're listening... That is Stevie D. Yeah. that stuff. Because he, he his team beat the Jets in the 98 championship game. And I haven't let go when he's with the Broncos. So I, I haven't let go. And that's that's my problem. But no, in all, all fairness, Shannon Sharp was a beast. He was a beast. Um and uh, Shannon Sharp should be number one on my list for this reason. I'm gonna give I don't know if I can give the give a short version of this story. But I have a very good friend back when the Ravens were playing the Giants in the Super Bowl. And my 2000. Friend, yes. Year 2000. And my friend came down. The Giants got embarrassed. And when he came down, he was wearing the Gilligan hat, just like Shannon was wearing during his interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And so he was just wearing it just because he was wearing it, not because he wanted to be like Shannon or anything like that. But everybody thought that he was Shannon Sharp. It was so bad. He came in. Now, you know the players come in like that Sunday after the AFC Championship game, maybe the Monday, the the plane will land. He comes in on a Thursday. I pick him up from the airport, and there's two people. Hey, is that Shannon Sharp? Is that Shannon Sharp? We we look at each other like, are you kidding me? And we just started laughing. This couple was in the elevator as we were going in the parking garage, and they got – we could hear them arguing as we got off the elevator. You should have asked him. We could have got his autograph. Now, who flies in for an exhibition game on a Thursday, right? That's not it. That's not it. I, CBD, I'm going to have to tell you more of the story later because I can't keep going on. But here's, here's just a couple other tidbits. Now that it's been so long ago, we had gone to Hooters, and there was a mass of people. I thought we were keeping the show clean. We, we are. The sea of people. Standing out front, right? This has to be on the Friday, right? The Friday before the big exhibition game, mind you. So as we pull up, we're we're walking in. It's four of us. None of us look like we play, right? He was the closest that looked like he played. But on a Friday, you're just going to before the exhibition game. game, But we'll call it the Super Bowl for all intents and purposes. You're just going to happen to show up at Hooters, right? Hey. The, the crowd, the, it just spreads, right? It's like the parting of the Red Sea. They let us go in like we're VIP, right? We go and we sit at a table. So as we're sitting at the table, you know, eating wings and, you know, eating what? Again, you're a few days before the biggest game of your life, and you're just eating wings, right, with, with blue cheese and extra sauce. Who knew, right? But we have these TVs ahead, right? And on the TV, now mind you, everybody in the place thinks Shannon Sharp is sitting at table 32, right? Everybody thinks this. But on the TV, they have Sports Center. And on Sports Center, you know how they have the little preview before right. commercial? Okay. So just before the commercial comes on, preview. Live at Tampa Stadium with a one on one interview with Shannon Sharp. Oh, busted, <laughs> right? So you would think. That's right. You would think. Again, now that it has been so many years since then. So, thinking very quickly, my friend calls the manager over. Manager comes running over, right? How can I help you, sir? (laughs) Right? He's just like, I'm here with my friends. I've been trying to be complimentary to everybody by signing autographs, which he was signing autographs. (laughs) But he wouldn't sign Shannon Sharp's autograph. He would just sign his own name. And people would look at him and be like, oh, look what I have. 
So oh after signing autographs, oh right, he tells the manager, he says, I recorded an interview and they're about to play this interview. But once they do, everybody's going to, you know, come flocking around. Anything that you could do to change the channel or something? No. Manager says, not a problem. I got you. Tick, 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 tick. Right? Commercial is on. And you know the commercial is like 30 seconds, maybe a long one with 60 seconds. But you, you have about two minutes before the break. Tick, 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 tick. All of a sudden, they're getting ready to come back, and you see Sports Center, and their their logo comes on. And just as you see that, I kid you not, all the televisions go blank. The manager shuts off all of the televisions all throughout Hooters. We got to finish on the Olympics. piece. Now, <laughs> the, the manager didn't give you a free bill. I don't remember. Okay. Do you remember if – Shannon, oh, excuse me. Shannon Sharp left a big tip. No, Shannon didn't leave a big. I I don't know. Uh, what it would the uh, pretend Shannon Sharp? If you are watching this podcast, <laughs> which I know you have watched it, <laughs> if you can answer those questions, because I don't remember on the bill. I do remember that they wanted. An autograph on this helmet that was in the display case. I do remember that. <laughs> did he sign it? Did he sign it with his own name? Oh, that would have been awesome. Woo. Oh, I, I can give you. I, I'm surprised I even told you this. So, Shannon Sharp, this is why you made our top four. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's so hard for me to look at Shannon Sharp's name on any list without thinking about that. I mean, it was, that's a great story, dude. That's, that's so much of it. So, all right, so. If we if we want to talk actually what you did on the field, I mean, who who would have thought that we wanted to talk about that? Um, you you were one of the key reasons for the success of the Denver Broncos, right? Oh, without a doubt, it wasn't Terrell Davis. Uh, I would venture to Here. say it really wasn't John Elway. Well, Rod Smith. Rod Smith was a very good wide receiver. Yes, right. yes, but consistently, you were there. And the way that your body type, the way that your speed, your hands, they were able to put you in different positions, whether it be lining up as a tight end, moving into the slot, you know, anywhere from X, Y, or Z, right? You you could play it all. You became a, a, a matchup nightmare for defenses. Uh, and, and again, you look at the success. I'll be honest with you. I don't, when you came out, I was like, no, there's already a Sterling Sharp. <laughs> but you you certainly held your own, paved your own way, uh, and, and you deserve all of the accolades uh, for a fine career and everything that you did. And in my book, you're the number four tight end on our list. Number three, Stevie D. And, and we could have flip-flopped, but we agreed with yeah. number three. Yeah. Actually, we agree with three and four. On our list okay. when we first put them together, and uh, at number three uh, was in, is Antonio Gates. Um, I mean, he had everything. Uh, he had it all. I don't. I don't know. How, he had speed, uh, elusiveness. He could break tackles. He can go up and get it. Um, he put the ball in the end zone. I mean, you can say without a doubt. That, I mean, he was a touchdown guy. Um, I don't think the Chargers in that in that time when he was there with with Philip Rivers and, and stuff that or and before I think he played with Drew Brees possibly uh, when he came in. Um, I don't think the Chargers like Ladainian Thomas may not be as good as as he was without the threat of Antonio Gates and vice versa. I'm sure they played off of each other, right? Because if you're expecting the run, it, it gave the opportunity for for Antonio Gates, so they played well together. But Antonio Gates to me was was a huge key to that whole offense. That whole offense uh, was Antonio Gates. Right. You know, when, when you talk about Antonio Gates, the first thing that I I always think about is everybody talked about he is the college basketball player that converted to the tight end, and he is the one that changed the mentality and the mindset of the GMs to look for this prototype of a player 
it was Antonio Gates, right? Who was tall, but had more of an athletic type body that was a little bit more fluid than your prototypical bin coats, like we talk about, tight, tight ends, right? This is a guy that can run down the field. He can get in and out of cuts. Like, again, we talk about matchup nightmares, right? This was the guy. Yeah. Right? Because he was too big for your linebackers. He, he was too big for, or too fast for your linebackers, too big for your safeties, too big for your corners, right? You, how, how do you play this guy? How do you cover this guy? You can just throw it up tall, but yet he's fast enough to run past the linebackers, right? So they can't put a body on, right? They, there was so much about Antonio Gates. It really, when we talk about, and, and we started the show talking about Ben Coates, and how Ben Coates was kind of like the the precursor to what we see today. Antonio Gates is truly yes. the precursor to what we see today because every GM wants that type of yeah. tight end. Yeah. Because they get bigger and stronger, right? Each generation of player gets bigger and stronger. So Ben Coates was like this big physical, uh, big uh, physical specimen when he came into the league, and he was so agile. And then. When Antonio Gates gets in the league, oh my God, look at the size of this guy. And he's the same thing. He's he's agile, he's quick, he's elusive. All this stuff at his size is incredible. And that, you know, he was that that person that took that side, that tight end position to the next side. Then he was a pretty good ball. And actually, he helped out some guys that never played football before in their life, and all they did was play basketball. And GMs were like, Oh, you play basketball? Are you interested in playing football? <laughs> and there's been some guys that have gotten uh, tryouts that actually made teams because they they fit that mold. It's it's crazy, it's crazy. All right, CBD, we're down to our top two. We're down to our top two. Yeah, we could go you, either way did, with this. Yeah. Um. What what I will say um, is that the guy coming in at number two is a Hall of Famer as a tight end. And damn sure should be a Hall of Famer as an executive. I don't know. Can you can you get a two time? Why can't you? I don't know. I don't, never heard of that. Why can't you? He he needs because you're already in the Hall of Fame. I I don't think they do. Um, don't because you're already in the Hall of Fame. Just add on to my plaque, which is now this long because of you know my accomplishments here as a player, and then here. But we're we're talking about the one, the only Ozzy Newsom, right? Uh, Ozzy is by far, to me, the greatest tight end who ever played the game. Uh, everything about him, uh, everything that he did on the field, uh, you know, in my ranking, he was a four-star. Uh, there's not one thing that I could say bad about Ozzy Newsom. And then, as I said, as you take <laughs> what he did after the game, and I know we're talking about tight ends, it's a different thing, but it's just this guy. You, you take what he did, uh, and, and it just puts him that much higher. Uh, but when, when, you look at, when you look at some of the things that he did on the field, you know, he ranks up there in receptions. You know, you look, you look at his total receptions. He, he's up there. Uh, you look at his total games played, he's about a 200-game guy. Um, he's, he's a 12-plus uh, yards per, uh, per reception, and he played – uh, in an era where, you know, it was not the predominant factor to uh, throw the football. But when you did, you knew you were throwing, throwing to one person. Here's the key. On the team that he played for, he was the only guy who was going to catch. Forget Webster Slaughter. Forget everybody else. You knew where the ball was going. Yeah, and, and don't, you know, we, we keep, when we look at this list, I think the one thing about Ozzie Newsom that we're not talking about here is his blocking ability. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the running games that they had, he was critical in the blocking game, which is huge for a tight end. You and we all we all these guys we talked about and we talk about their catches and their yards, but we don't we don't really talk about their blocking ability and 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 their uh, their football IQ on the football field. I mean, Ozzy Newsom was probably the smartest guy on the football field when he was playing, and he was such an elite blocker. Mm-hmm. All right, I mean, there are some guys on this list that could block. Don't get me wrong, but he was so complete, so complete of a football player in every stretch of the imagination. He was that coach in the huddle. He was the extra blocker. He was the receiver. 
He can break the tackles and, and go and go longer for catches. He was just a, a true complete player. And if you were drafting a team today, and and you look at everything, yeah, some people may look at the big uh, uh, big specimen of, of, of a gentleman, but when when you think Ozzie Newsom, you know he's probably the number two draft that that people are going to go by. Because if you put Ozzie Newsom in today's game, oh my god, forget it. Where where would he be if you put him in today's game? You know, people people fall in love with today's tight end like Chelvis Kelsey. Where would Ozzie Newsom be today if he got to play in this in this new league? He'd, he'd be untouchable. He'd be untouchable. Did you just give a little foreshadowing to our number one? You like what I did there, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. So, you know. But he's a falcon. Every, well, everybody has their list, right? I, to your point, if you were drafted today, I'm taking Ozzie Newsom as my number one tight end. I am. Yeah. I, I am, hands down, because I know what he can do. I love a Kyle Pitts. I love a Travis Kelsey. I love a Dawson Knox. Got to give a shout out to, to my Bills Mafia. So I love I love a Dawson Knox. Love a Zach Ertz, a future Bills Mafia player. Uh, I love a Tony Gonzalez. I love all these guys. But you give me an Ozzie Newsome, and to your point, character, to your point, leadership, to your point, the ability to block, to your point, the ability to catch, everything that he could do, he is by far my number one. But unfortunately, on this list, he's number two. <laughs> so, Stevie, that that only leaves one other player that could go number one. Johnny Mitchell. You beat me to it. You beat me to it. I had big Pete Metzler's all queued up. <laughs> so, you're not saying it's Johnny Mitchell? Yeah, no. I I don't even see those initials, those letters in this gentleman's name. <laughs> I just don't see anything in there. So here's the debate. Who goes number one? And let's talk about who's not on the list and why they're not on the list. Right? The biggest, curveballs, yeah. the, the biggest name that everybody's looking for is Travis Kelsey. Where's Travis Kelsey? Is he number one? No, he's not number one. Why isn't he on the list? I'll tell you why. He will be on the list. Just t- you need time, right? It's like when you're baking a cake. You just got to let it let it cook, Ooh, right? Nice. I like that. got to let it cook, right? You know, you saw the outside of the box. You know that, you, you know, you're going to have something good. You just got to let it continue to cook. It smells good, but it's not done yet. I got to ask you, you a question. Yeah. Do you undercook a cake to get it soft? And moist, do you have to? I don't know. You brought up the cooking metaphor. That's well past my knowledge. (laughs) Now you got me hungry. Talking about cakes and stuff. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm just going that if you pull that cake out too early, right? It'll never be good, right? You need. Oh, okay. So you you just answered my question. You gotta let that cake cook, right? And that's where Kelsey is, right? Kelsey will be on this list, you know. If everything works out, Stevie D, you and I are still going side by side, doing doing this podcast, doing live streams, talking sports. When we come back, because I'm sure we're going to revisit a top ten list, right? And Kelsey has that more time that he's added to that resume. He's going to make this list, but for right now, he's not there. And number one is Tony Gonzalez. Please, Tony G. I mean, when you when you think about this, and I know. It, it kind of hurts Jason Witten, right? Because you're going to say, well, Jason Witten is not that far off. I mean, over 1,300 catches in the league, over 15,000 receiving yards. And with that one knock on Tony that I have, his yards per catch for, for a big guy and everything he did was only 11.4. Right? I mean, you you would – I honestly thought Tony Gonzalez, when, when I think of the name, I don't look at it at 11.4 yards per ca- per catch. That 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 shocked me. But six-time, six-time first-team All-Pro. Now, did he get caught up in an error? Everybody loves you, and so you just get it over and over again? Well, that's what the Pro Bowl is for. So when you look at a four-time, 14-time Pro Bowler, that's what that stat's for. But when you get that six-time first-team, you're doing something. And he played in an era where there was still some pretty good tight ends. And so well, he was um, always going head to head with Antonio Gates. Yeah. That that was the big battle. Yeah. So 
uh, over 100, you know, over what 111 touchdowns he had in his career. So, um, he, he's he, he's legit. He's legit. Uh, I di- I did not have him here, and folks, it, it it took some work by Stevie D over there. It really did take some work by Stevie D to show me where. I'm not gonna say the error because right. I still don't have the number one down. Right. But, but I mean, he he played 270 games. That's huge. huge. Over 1,300 catches, 15,000 plus yards, over 100 touchdowns. I mean, he literally, what more can he do? Right? I'm not going to say it, but you know what I'm talking about because you won't allow me to talk about what I want to talk about because I got to go visit somebody before I can talk about it. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> sorry, people on the inside, on the inside, but. I feel like yeah. it, let, got let, something cooking over here. It, 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 let, Sesame Street. A one, a two, a three. <laughs> five, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> I think that's where you're going. No, I'm not, it's. I think what you were referencing was how many licks to the center of a tootsie pot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I look at Tony G and uh, and. Uh, it's just hard. He longevity, the games, the catches, the the yardage, the touchdowns. He, the first team all pros. He he checks all those boxes to be number one of all time. But again, if you put Ozzie Newsom and you fast forward Ozzie Newsom, instead of finishing his career in the eighties or the late eighties, I think it was late eighties when he, when he retired, and you fast forward him and you put him in two thousand or later. What could have Ozzy done in the league? And you, look, you could say it about the John Mackeys and some of the older tight ends that have come through the league that were still very good tight ends that played in. Where would Mike Ditka end up on this list, right? Where would, you know, if Jackie Smith played in this era where it's a lot less hand holding, you know, you, you get more breaks from the line of scrimmage. And, and you're able so. to del- deflate football. So it, it helps it. So when you want to keep catch it clean, the, when you want to catch the ball. <laughs> So, you know, definitely deflating the footballs definitely yeah. helps. So with that, Tony G, you're number one. Give us a follow. Give us a like. We didn't put you number one for the follow and like, but we'll take the follow and like um, if you happen to be listening. Yeah. So I like the list, Stevie. I mean, look, the, a former Falcon made number one. Ooh, surprised you didn't give it to your brethren out there in, in the land of Kansas City. JB, I, I don't Ooh. see you running around, JB. Your boy is sitting there at number one. But then his other boy is not even on the list. So I, I think this is a, a lovely It, it canceled list. out. Yes. Yeah. Canceled out. <laughs> but CBD, in all, in all fairness, I think the list is fair. I think it's good. I think it's solid. I think we have current day mixed with some yeah. of, some of the, the guys from yesteryear. Mm-hmm. And with just like we said for like a Travis Kelsey and a Dawson Knox, you guys are close, right? Just you, you have to. <laughs> you can't even do that with a straight face. Now, but I'm going to kick it back the other way. We talked about with Kelsey, right? Look, I think people are going to say, what about the Greg Olsons and, and the Jimmy Grahams that have the gaudy stats and stuff like that? And what I'll say about the Jimmy Graham, he started off on fire in his career. And then he then he was worth too much money to an organization, and they traded him to Seattle. And he hasn't been anywhere of Jimmy Graham since he left New Orleans, right? In fairness, but again, I, Jimmy Graham, I just it's hard to put a list together just not to fall in love with stats. There's more than just a stat, and, and you have to kind of play in a different era. So when people say, "Oh, how come this person you didn't make it?" For the yeah, I, absolutely, I, absolutely, you did. Absolutely, I, I'm more of a stat guy. In fairness, I've always been more of a stat guy. And I've been evolution. I, I've been. You turned me into a stat guy. No, no, and I'm, and I'm dead sentimental over here. What the, what the heck's going on around here? Oh, this for everybody out there. Welcome to our world. This is what happens, right? This is exactly what happens. We're well, talking each other off the ledge over there, and we want them swapping over there. So, but. But and in fairness, you know, not everything is necessarily about the the overall stat when you're thinking about it, and you're trying to be fair to all errors who have played, and you just can't really truly fall in love because a guy had like Jason Wynn had 1,200 catches. It's because you have 1,200 catches. Oh, he's going to be number two because he had 1,200 catches. Uh, 
in fairness, you can't, you can't j- just do that. So, um, and you do have to pay credit and, and it hurts me to have not have John Mackey on this list, but unfortunately he just, it was just too low of his statistics. Uh, but John Mackey was a heck of a tight end for his generation. Heck of a tight end. Um, so with that, you know, and real, and real quick, that that's one thing that, that kind of bugs me a little bit, no matter uh, what sport, when they talk about the GOAT, right? Greatest of all time. Well, it's so hard to, to give somebody that title, to anoint somebody like that, because the era and style, they change from decade to decade to decade, right? What a player can do in today's game, whether it be the NFL, the NBA, NHL, is completely different from what they did a generation ago. And if you, you bring them back, they may be half of what they are today. Maybe, you know, and, and I'm not going to bash on LeBron, but LeBron's style of play, he has the body to play like they did in the, in the Jordan era, in those 90s. But he doesn't like the contact, right? None of these guys like the contact. They couldn't play back back then with Jordan and Ewing and, all those guys in the mid-90s, they could not do it at all. And, you know, conversely, could those guys play in today's game? Well, I don't think that they could shoot as good as these guys shoot today, right? So it's a, it's a different area. Well, well, you know, it's funny when you say that, right? So I don't know if I totally agree, like, if could Jordan's game play today, get Jordan's game could play today. But when you're growing up in youth sports today, I think the level of coaching and what is out there to teach these young players today is so far more mature today than it was when we were kids with things on tape in the regiment. I mean, when you think about me, what was the the quarterback with the wacko dad out in L.A.? Marinovich. His father was over the top. But he believed in in this type of nutrition and everything. And so maybe he was was over the top, but he was a little bit more – advanced at that time than it is today today it's all about an athlete what are you putting into your body how are you training the training you're getting from your coaches from whatever academies or 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 whatever your 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 son is affiliated in in the major sports It, it so i look at jordan yeah he'd probably be bigger he'd probably be stronger he would have more tape and film review to to study today so i think jordan could but and if he's so, bigger and stronger, does that mean that he can jump as high and as far? That, that, that's fair. And that, that's very fair. Maybe he could jump higher in because he'd be stronger. Who the heck knows, right? But that's what this makes it so hard about comparing errors. And we talk about it. And that's why when, when people say Kobe's the greatest of all time or LeBron is the greatest of all time, and they well, everybody says Michael is the greatest of all time, it, 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 it's hard. And I think a lot of people say it's hard that, you know, there's a generation and then that generation moves on. Yeah. And you, you you can't really cross those paths because it's unfair. It's unfair to the players that are playing today and unfair to the players that played back then. So it, it's just hard point, to do. With that said, I think what we need to do, Stevie D, in all fairness, instead of having our top 10 in the future, right, next year when we are going through our dog days, maybe we say for this era, Right. Yeah, from maybe that's how we pack it. Yeah, 2010 from 2010 yeah. to 2020, so that a player like a John Mackey gets his just due. Do sure, and, and we can compare him against those that played in his era, which then his numbers are off the charts. Right. Yeah. Fair. And then we, again, we look at what Dawson Knox did, and we can see that he's ascended into this top. It sounds like a TV show. What Dawson's Creek? Is that what the thing? It just sounds like a TV show. Well, you know, multi-purpose, multi-talented. I still don't understand where the heck Mickey Schuler is, but <laughs> he's over talking to Joe Walton right now. They're they're having a conversation. Oh, they're boy. like, I just don't understand how he said he was a Jet fan. How could he leave me off? He betrayed me. And Joe's like, Listen, I heard him a couple weeks ago. And the love that he has for Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, nothing surprised me, Mickey. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it at all. We don't know if he's coming back. He may wear a lot of jet green, but his heart is truly with the silver, red, and blue. So, again, that, that's what happened. You're going to do me like that at the end of the show? I am. <laughs> hey, keep it clean. Keep it clean. <laughs> 
technically. What was the only Serenity Now? Serenity Now. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. You, you, do you remember? Do you remember a show that we had had to be about eight weeks ago? And you sent that Scud missile coming across. <laughs> so to all our listeners, I want to tell you to uh, give us a like, give us a subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and again, this content is about sharing. So sharing is caring. Uh, it, you know, if you want to use any of the content, by all means, right? Just uh, give us a heads up. We'd love to have you on the show as well. Give us a shout out too. Yeah, we'd appreciate that as well. Uh, but you can always check us out at our our webpage, officialwordsports.com, our Facebook page, Official Word Sports. And, of course, you can hit us up on Twitter, at Real OW Sports. So for Stevie D, I'm Vince. We'll talk to you soon.